0: Just, I'm just saying. All right, let me
1: find it. Yeah, it'll pop. It'll pop up. Uh, actually, right now. And uh, everybody, out. welcome to tonight's late night happy hour. <laughs> Brian Kaminski and Andy Kaminski, joined by the great Josiah Johnson. You know him as uh, from the Dunkbait Podcast at Yahoo. You know him from his uh, meme king game uh, at King Josiah fifty four, which you see right there. Like you know, you're good at it when you go by your handle. Like you just like you. That's that's what you're throwing up there for people to see. Um, How's it going man? Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it.
0: Just had to retweet the tweet to get get the get the audience plugged in, but appreciate you guys for having me. Man. Excellent,
2: man. Excellent. How how's everything been? I, I was watching last night's dunk bait and uh the three of you guys didn't seem very good with the way things shook out last night.
0: I think honestly, I think across Lakers Nation, I think it was just a disappointing performance. It was kind of even early in the game. I think we saw LeBron and kind of AD break character a little bit after a, a bad botched pass I think from LeBron to AD. And for the first time, really, like, you know, it's like, ooh, they might be taking an L tonight, which is a little disappointing given all the Heat struggles and kind of, you know, missing missing gordon and Bam. But that's why there's game four. LeBron looked a little angry. Obviously, we've got the Tyler Hero meme that's been making its rounds with the the snarl. So we'll see. I'm Yeah, <laughs> you already know.
1: <laughs> okay, my question about that, do you think Tyler Hero knows who Billy Idol is?
0: No, I'm gonna say no. Young kids have no idea. No, (laughs) there's a like, there's a, there's a, there's a gap. There's a, yeah, you know, there
2: is not a prayer that Tyler Hero has any idea who that person I put to the other side of him is. He has no idea,
1: not a clue. That was my guess too, but I just wanted to make sure that I was, you know, like maybe there was some sort of cultural relevance to Billy Idol, like for for twenty year olds (laughs) that I don't know about.
0: Billy Idol's kind of a legend. That's a great name now that I think back and look back on those times. That's a that's a pretty solid name.
2: Oh Bi- yeah, Billy Idol. That's that's a hell of a stage name. I mean, that's just basically laying it all out there right from the outset. I'm this dude.
0: Like, it's like John Legend. for yeah. for current contemporaries. It's like, you know, you know what you're getting with a name like that.
2: Well, it's a lot to live up to. I mean, like, I mean, think about like poor, you know, I mean, obviously he managed to live up to it and then some, but like when you're named Prince, holy crap. Like that's a lot. That's a lot on your plate right from the like literal inception of your life.
1: That's a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure. Not so I,
2: just,
1: I do it to say like I have a soft spot for Billy Idol, not just because, you know, that's my era growing up in music. But the the video for Cradle of Love, which I don't know how many people have seen that recently, probably very few, was a very formative moment in my youth. Okay. Um that one was that one that one was well, in part
2: too because at that age when you, when you're young like that you're not wise enough you know worldly enough to realize just how inappropriate that video is like I mean like really it's it's like an ode to jailbait video like it's really in a lot of ways wrong like that video would not get made now oh god like, no i
1: don't even know if the song would get pretty sure the song would <laughs> well, but i mean to be fair i was like 12. So it was, mean, I was sure. age appropriate for, to, to have the feelings that I had. But yeah, I mean, this is also too, like kids don't understand how it works these days. Like, you know, it was the cradle of love video and trying to steal the Victoria's secret catalog. That's what we had, you know, I mean, that was the easy access and, and, you know, and in, in the days when you had cable with the, the channels you shouldn't get that were blurry, but you could still hear what they were doing. We had that. Those are my options. It's the best I could do,
0: like every minute, you would get like two good seconds of like a some type of uh-huh. you won't have to try and piece it together. <laughs> oh, you. Remember remember that?
2: back in the day, you had to earn it. I mean, like, yeah. I know the older generations always talk about you know, we had to walk uphill, you know, both ways, like you know, and that stuff gets old, but we really did have to earn it more in terms of trying to see rated R nudity. You had to yeah. work way harder back in the day than now, <laughs> like, I mean, it really. Yeah. It was it was a triumph of the spirit when when you when you landed on that five second like that perfect five scrambled seconds of showtime like that that was a real victory. Okay,
1: can I can I tell a story about uh, the 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 scrambly porn, <laughs> the, the scrambly blurry porn here for a minute? So I'm in college, my senior oh year. Oh God, in college. I
2: know the story, Jesus.
1: <laughs> so my senior year in college, <laughs> I'm out, you know, you know, out having at a party, doing whatever. I come home. And my roommate is on the couch, passed out, drunk, with his pants down to his ankles and a sock over his his uh, his penis. <laughs> and I and I just I, I watching the blurry watching the blurry uh, adult films. Honestly, and I, I, I kind of like you know. I, I told him the next day. I was like. You know, you can't do that. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't just fall asleep like that and pass out in the middle of the room like that. I mean, what if somebody? What if I? Not even like, what if I brought, happened to like, you know, had a good night? You bring like a girl home or whatever. I've brought anybody like that. Me and my bros would come back from the the bar. Or whatever. You can't do that, but but he did. He felt bad, I think.
0: The way you described that, I saw the entire visual. I'm like, that's going to be a scene in something. So yeah. like, we we'll probably have to link up and just make that. Because that visual is probably one of the most hilarious things. And the fact that it's lived with you. I can see that. Where well, you don't
1: you don't that. You don't forget something. That's what I'm like saying.
0: I see, I see, <laughs> you see things that you never forget, and I felt that moment as you described it and just knowing the pain that you had to probably endure, piecing it all together, like, wait. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Oh, <laughs> Dude. At least he, he was practicing safe sex.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, like, it, I mean, let's say it was, I wouldn't blame her if she'd have been like, I, I got to go. I'd be like, yeah, I I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, let's make this very clear. <laughs> Andy was not the roommate. No, well, was this was when I was absolutely not. We didn't go to yes. college together. No. Uh, absolutely yes, the Spice not. Channel. That's exactly I was, what I was, was, was. on the other it side of the, the country when channel. this happened. <laughs> Leave me out of this.
2: <laughs> well, we're seven minutes in, and Josiah totally regrets this appearance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Honestly, no, I used to talk a lot about hotel porn back in the day because I think that's the thing about being a college athlete, people don't realize when you travel on the road you get a free movie. They don't designate what that movie <laughs> is. There's no designation, but you think you're beating the game, but then we we would have people back at UCLA like, who would check the bills and be like, wait a minute, like these movies were nineteen ninety nine and the other ones are normally twelve ninety nine. So you could put two and two together. Oh, so okay, so like was
2: there in terms of per diem? was there like a pay-per-view per diem like were were you
0: allowed to like go pay-per-view with legit movies one movie a day you could get whatever you wanted in pay-per-view that's what i'm saying there was no there was there was no definition of what a, they just said you could order one pay-per-view movie so and then the, during the tournament you got to get one from the school and then one from the NCAA so it was two movies a day Wow, they, they and really spelled you guys out. Yeah, twenty extra dollars and free Wi-Fi. I mean, who? who I, I don't get why you guys need to get paid
2: now. Now that I see <laughs> that type of setup, they had at UCLA. I, I didn't realize you had it that
0: good. I was living the good life. But yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, seriously, the, the
1: nerve of all these athletes complaining, yeah. like in like, the I like, movies. I feel like Ed O'Bannon really left some important stuff out. <laughs> you know, it's right. like. Here he's always complaining about this or that or whatever. He never mentioned anything about the free movies.
0: Ed, Ed was in a slightly higher pay range. He was he was bringing a lot of bodies into the the arena, so I think he had a he had a great gripe with that. <laughs> they
2: gave Ed O'Bannon a third
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully,
2: I'd, I'd like to think. so.
0: The good old yeah, right. this, the handshakes and all that good stuff. I know a lot of that stuff was going on at SC, not so much at UCLA obviously. We we followed the rules and played. Oh, yeah. Play by the book.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I I used to bartend at the Westwood Brewing Company Ooh. in in the yeah, like mid to late 90s up to the early 2000s and okay. I, let's just say some of the stories that I heard there were some handshakes. <laughs> there were absolutely we, some
0: we might have crossed paths. Bru- Bruco wasn't my first destination. Usually, it was probably like the fourth spot if everything else wasn't cracking. But it definitely had like karaoke night and some other good stuff going on.
2: Well, Bruco when I was there, man, that place was wild. Like yeah. like like Madison's, I think, was just more of an established spot in, in Westwood Village. Like it had been there longer. It was a bit more of an institution. Yeah, but the Bruco was straight up insane. Like, I mean, I remember...
1: But also, too, like, timeline-wise, you have to understand, it might have been a while ago. Andy served honorably in the Crimean War, so he's been, he you know, he's been at it a while, so... Yeah, that you know. that, that place was
2: crazy, but, yeah, they, we used to have uh, the water polo players in particular used to live there, but we, we had a lot of athletes going through there.
0: It was, I mean, you, you it was like the holy triangles, like Madison's, Maloney's, and Bruco, and what... Oh. You know. Everything had a different kind of – Madison's obviously pint night, Tuesday night was, was thriving. Maloney's Sunday night, industry night was probably, you know, one of my go-tos later on in college life. And then Bruco. Bruco was always solid. It was just so far. It was like the the, deep, the deepest coming from the dorms. And we're so in L.A. So far. Like two more blocks, is like, oh, I'm good. It's, it's on the LA other too. side of
2: Westwood Village. It's, <laughs> it's
0: too far. So Walker, oh, Shane, I know. I
1: only knew one bartender at those three bars. So I only went to one of those bars. Oh god! <laughs> if
0: you had an in, though, that was you know you were drinking free all night. Honestly, the college—it's all like it's like the barter system, kind of like Shawshank. Really, just like if you knew somebody, <laughs> if, you knew, if you knew the bartender that could plug you, you could live like a king. Really. Like, oh yeah. Oh my.
2: My friends, when I eventually quit uh, the Bruco, because I just I had been there too long. I was sick of it, and also I was like this lifestyle is going to kill me. Like and and I was also starting to get some writing work and I thought okay, maybe I really don't need to do this anymore. All of my friends were like, "No, man, you you need to keep this job. Like trust me, you're never going to make it as a writer. Like you're a terrible writer. You need you need to keep this job because they they'd come in every weekend and just get totally hooked up. They loved loved my time as a bartender. That's the job you've ever had.
0: <laughs> That's bartending in, in college in terms of the hierarchy is, is humongous. Like bartenders can get a lot of stuff moving and shaking with the athletes. You can get tickets to pretty much any game you want gear, whatever, you know, people are willing to exchange it for some beers. Like well, the,
2: the, the moment I'm not, I'm not even joking about this. The moment that I really realized like, holy shit, I need to quit this job. Like I've been there too long was this girl was telling me she was a senior and it was around, uh, Graduation time. And she invited me to her graduation brunch because she's like, You've been this big part of my college experience all four years. I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Oh my God. You've been like a second father to me. <laughs> like, I'm just, I mean, I didn't go to this thing because I'm just picturing like her father would have been rightly shooting me daggers. Like, just like the you brought your damn bartender. Like, th- this is the guy running up my Amex. Like I'm, honestly, it,
0: it's huge currency, but that's the thing—you don't understand the impact that you had on generations of kids. Like I'm, just, you know, they became adults in these moments—the the two a.m., one a.m., trying to get those last beers in, having you know, going and yakking in the bathroom, and kind of learning their lesson, but coming back the next day to try it again. Like,
1: look, just I—I I have long said, long contended to anybody who listens that people like Andy are the real heroes, um, and. Think, I think that's true. I I don't think there's anything that's that doesn't ring true about that.
2: They they would have, if if this pandemic was going on in the mid 90s, they would have given me PPP,
0: like just (laughs) just to let me keep working and serving.
1: He's an essential worker,
0: they would have brought you in, even just do a little pod like, yo, just be our (laughs) personal bartender, we're all chip in. We just want to feel normal again. I can't even imagine, honestly, but even thinking about it, what those kids are going through, imagine it's, it's March. I can only imagine when I was in college, senior year in March, I know graduation's coming in June, kind of finishing up this thing, and now being told, like, yeah, you can't even, like, you know, just go home and over. Like, we'll make it your degree. I, mean, I like, get
1: frustrated, but, like, you can't, it's not like you can't be surprised by college students ignoring social distancing rules. Like, you just, there's no, I don't think I'd have done it. I mean, I, I'm I'm not, I, I know what I was like when I was 19, 20, 21. I would have been with hanging out with my friends.
0: It just feels like these schools are like ghost towns now, though. SCUCLA, obviously, this should be like school just starting. This is like, you know, it's supposed to be the best time of the year for college students. Black Sunday, all that good stuff. My, that fa- is-
2: My favorite thing we've seen is like uh, there's been some schools across the country where they you go into this knowing there's no way in hell these kids are going to do what they're supposed to be doing, but they end up opening the campuses anyway. And then the kids get caught doing what they're not supposed to do, and they get kicked off campus. But they don't get the tuition back. I mean, like at that, you're running a you're running a damn pyramid scheme at that point. Like you're just setting up these kids to fail and to take their money.
0: I saw something like Michigan or something like that. This kid was basically posted they, they were getting quarantined, but he's posted like where, where they were quarantined. I was basically like a prison. Like they got like a roll of toilet paper, and then like was, I'm just like, this is like real life here. It's like, it, and you can tell oh, how much are used to those type of conditions, so they were making like cries for help videos.
2: Well, well, actually, it's funny you say that because here's I mean, and you know the world of social media as well as anybody. Uh, this is really where these kids will never be able to pull off what they're doing. Like 20, 25 years ago before social media, these kids could have all been breaking the rules without it being broadcasted. But now it's all ingrained in their head that they have to put everything on social. Yeah. Which is how they get caught.
0: I said, even when this pandemic first started, it wasn't like people stopped doing stuff. They just stopped posting on social but for them, that became even so tough to deal with that they still had
2: to. Oh, say,
0: <laughs> <you know, like, laughs> like, wait, people are in the background. There's, I'm counting people. I see, this looks like a party. Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> one, two.
0: Well, look, if you can, Lou, Williams can't,
1: Lou Williams can't count on his friends to keep him out of a uh, you know the lemon pepper wing thing.
0: And if you're Lou, how do you take that photo with the Clippers with the Clippers mask on that they got from the bubble? Like it was to me, it was like. I've been in those situations though, so I can't even hate because obviously if, if social media was, was around when I was in college, I would have made it probably a year. Like I oh, oh, oh.
1: so mean, speaking of that though, okay, you joined us tonight on I, I feel like tonight on a night you gotta feel be feeling pretty good because you you put out three memes tonight uh off of the, the Trump thing that we saw earlier that were just like salt bay chef's kiss kind of yeah. perfect. And like, do we have, did you take the pictures of those, Andy? I, I did not. I thought okay. yeah, it doesn't matter. They're we have other stuff we want to talk about, but like they're easy to find. Oh you know, yeah, no, they're fun. But like, so Let's see if I can do it real quick, but anyway, intake, going. So like on, a, like how quick is like, that's fast. Like how quick is this stuff even available for you to like pull the, the clips and stuff like that? Like these things, like it just happened. So I got you're already a, pulling Trump breathing heavily on the on the balcony there.
0: This is the thing. And like I know the space that I operate in, and I've often said like, I don't I don't do this to as like a ha ha joke thing. Like I want people to watch that video. I know the easiest way for me to do it is to correlate it to something that's going on in the world. I just so happen to be watching the Patriots game, watching Brian Hoyer, a possession after possession, just wander opportunity after opportunity, and it's like oh, let me. But, but there's always kind of a deeper thing behind it. But with this thing, I think just the state of the world that we're living in is. It's like every day, like I've been around for 38 years and this is probably the craziest I think I've seen. And that's L.A. rides, everything else we're going through, and you know, that I've gone through in my life. Like this stretch, is, every day just gets more wild, more ridiculous. Yesterday was a parade. Today it was like, hey, look at me. But I'm gasping for air. But hey, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> and it's just like.
1: <laughs> but what I loved about it too is like you had a bunch of, you had one where you used Trump to make kind of make fun of Belichick. And then you had another one where it was like, like a Trump joke uh, and follow. Like, so you kind of, you kind of got the variety. Even if you're somebody who like supports the president or kind of like, you still ought to be able to appreciate the joke that it was funny. It's funnier if you probably don't like him.
0: (laughs) It's funny if you're a total recall fan, everything, everything I use generally is from my, my age range and stuff that's really resonated with me. So, I'll look at Trump when he's breathing like that. I'm like, damn, it looks like O'Hagan oh, in uh, Total Recall when he falls. <laughs> <laughs> when he bounces down, he's, he's gasping for air just the way this dude looks. And it's just yeah. like, yo, Cohagen, give people the air. I think this is kind of Trump is that type of figure to me. Like, yo, just like, this is not something to joke about. Like, you got f- flown from Marine One to Walter Reed. Like, <laughs> everybody else doesn't have that luxury. Like, oh, I'm not feeling good. Like, okay, I'm just going to, you know what I mean? It's like, come yeah,
2: on. He- I mean, whether this is just bad messaging on his part or genuine obliviousness or both, frankly. I mean, he's lived in a bubble for a while. I mean, well before you're in the White House, which, you know, as connected as you are to literally the entire world, it is also a bubble. Like, he seems to really be presenting this as my experience being flown in to Walter Reed, getting round the clock uh, treatment from the greatest doctors in the world, with you know the greatest access to different medicines. This has been everybody's experience <laughs> with, with COVID. Stars,
1: they're just like
2: us. <laughs> and, like if you you know I'm setting I'm setting an example for how the rest of you, if you are unfortunate enough to get this virus, if you just follow my lead, you can get through this too.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's just it's insane. It's absolutely insane. It's insane that he says it, but it's crazier to me to see the thousands of people. And I don't know if they're bots or real humans. A lot of them are that are literally like, don't rationalize that in their head. Like this dude literally can get round the clock coverage. You, when you're talking about, especially I'm, I'm black in the black community. I'm reading all these stories about black people being sent home because they're, they're you know, their symptoms weren't strong enough to get treatment. Then next thing you know, they're dead. And it's like, this is, this is like real life. You know what I'm saying? Like I've had people directly impacted by this stuff and to see it is being made a mockery of as if we're like trying to politicize it. As if we all enjoy walking around in masks and quarantining and not hanging out with friends. Like, like I woke up today, like, shit, I can't wait to not hang out with all my friends today to, to prove Trump wrong. It's like, it's like, so <laughs> like you know, Hey, I can't send my kids to school, but we're showing Trump. they look, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's just such an asinine situation and to see where we're at. It's just like, come on, man. Like,
2: Yeah. You know? I, I mean, like when, when you had mentioned like getting sent back, You know, for not having strong enough symptoms like I couldn't help but laugh just because uh, the the contrast with, you know, with what we saw with the president and obviously he's the president. He's going to get this type of treatment. And regardless of what you think of him, he needs to get that type of treatment because, again, he is the president and there's a lot of fallout that comes to the president being (laughs) sick. But you have Don't to touch have that button. By the way, you, you have, have to have. You've got to have a recognition that, like, this is not real life. Like the life that you that you're engaged in as president is nowhere close to what is typical.
0: I just I find the the, the humor in the fact that for all all this time they've been they've been blaming the blue states and that's been the whole thing. All the blue states are you know they're they're not being they're being mismanaged and literally it's literally running through the entire GOP, likely because. Of fast-tracking the Supreme Court justice and, and, and having a buffet-style event, it's literally like I love buffets. Honestly, I, I go to Vegas strictly for buffets. Like, I love buffets more than most humans. I'm, I'm comfortable not having a buffet if it means I can save somebody else's life, even if I don't know this person. You know, if, if I never meet them ever, me not being able to hit the crab legs in, in a Vegas buffet, is fine. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. So this. It's like, what do they have? I'm wondering, like, what are they eating at this buffet? You're just like hands all on salad tongs. Just, <laughs> you know how gross and disgusting buffets are, and this is what's going. When are on.
1: you going to be? When do you think you'll be comfortable going back to a buffet?
0: I don't know. I don't think I ever will be. Maybe I don't know. I, it'd probably take like a year, honestly. Vegas, like Vegas, no, because you know, even like buffet, when you order the room service, it's from the buffet, and if you leave it out for like over three hours, it literally dehydrates to the point where it's like this nasty, gloppy mess of. Whatever you've ordered, so I don't know, because I used to be like down and dirty. Like I'd hit like a Luxor buffet, it really didn't matter. Like you know, Excalibur, just kind of—they're
1: they're, they're amazing. Like when we, you guys, you saw the news that Sizzler closed, right? Yeah, and honestly, and, like, and that was all about the buffet. There used to be the one on Highland that I used to go to, a re- relatively frequently because i love the salad bar and i love the buffet i love soup plantation when that was a thing and it's not because the food is necessarily that good but it's because you can get little bites of ten thousand things and that is my ideal way to eat i want a bite of everything on the menu if i can get it and 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 i and so i i completely completely understand your love of buffets
0: they're a beautiful thing. Obviously, I, I used to be much heavier, and I think that was as a result of too many buffets. I've kind of taken a step back, but I judge buffets by their crab legs. Like you know, you know, I mean, you know, from like the, the grimy, gritty ones with the nasty like the, to like the the Bellagios and the nicer ones where it's like ooh pristine. But
2: we we were talking with uh, Tanya Ganguly, who covers the Lakers for the LA Times, and she yeah. was down in the bubble for at least the first half of it. And what was crazy in in us talking about the different things going on down there, they actually have buffets in the bubble just because, you know, everybody is tested and I guess it's deemed safe enough in that environment. We're like, you're eating one of the only buffets like in America at this point, like like, everybody in the bubble are among the only people in this country still doing that, like they... Buffets are going to be gone for a long-ass time, assuming they ever even come back.
0: And you talk about the bubble. We interviewed Chris Haynes on Dunk Bait, and obviously he's been there since I think two weeks before the players got there. So going on like 100 days or something crazy like that. And it was just like, honestly, you're looking at a dude who's, I don't want to say losing his mind, but it's like he hasn't seen his wife, his family, and it's just like the psychological toll is taking on these guys. And to know, like he said before the players got there, they had a lot more restaurant options, but once the players came in, like they got cut in half, and just f- even like finding a good meal to eat, like you get tired of eating the same thing every day. So I mean, these dudes are, you know. So I, I got nothing but love for them over
2: there. Okay, actually, that's a great way to eventually swe- uh, segue back to the Lakers. You guys on Dunk Bait, it was really funny when you were talking about how Chris Haynes, like when the late, <laughs> the expectation is the Lakers are up two zero, the the Heat are down two of their three best players. Like it's just going to start sinking in that this is a wrap, and yeah. then they end up. The Lakers end up blowing game three, playing really badly. Jimmy Butler has a historic night. But Chris Haynes is like, God damn it, man. I want to get out of this bubble. Like, I just want to get the hell out of here. Like, it's the equivalent of, for writers covering a game, when you've got like four-fifths of a story already pre-written with like four minutes left, and you just basically need to see how this game turns out that's been going one way the whole game. Then all of a sudden, the other team makes this crazy, wild comeback, and you're like, God damn it, man. Got to rip it up. You know, it's going to be a long night. I got to restart this whole damn thing. That was that was Chris Haynes. And the rest of these guys, they're just like, damn it. I'm here like at least.
1: It's another four days. Yes. We could have ended on day. Tuesday, and now they can't get out until Saturday. If the Lakers win on Friday, they can't leave until Saturday.
0: So, Haynes was basically like, I don't care who wins. He's like, all I know is between games four and five is like a three day layoff. He's like, I'm honestly so frustrated. He's like, play every other day, man. Let us go home.
1: Yeah. I, that <laughs> play was, every other day. People would ask me, well, we used to, Andy, and I used to cover baseball, which I, I, I love baseball. I didn't like covering it. Like, really, really. oh, who do you want to win? Who can win fastest? Like whoever can win in two hours and twenty-three minutes, that's what I want.
0: That's all I care about. My my our big saying in college was win or lose, no overtime. Like let's get this <laughs> thing over with. We don't Damn, need to and be. You, were, you were, we were on, on the, team, the team, man. I wasn't playing though. So it's like when you're not when you're sitting watching, and that's like that's like three hours of just like atrophy <laughs> on your legs, like so what on the saying, court. We don't need extra time. Win this thing. Go for the win. Always.
2: <laughs> so what you're saying is there was a small part of Quinn Cook who was like, eh, <laughs> last night. Just because if it, as long as it cruised along,
0: he's like, all right, we'll, we'll get we'll get him next time. Think about the guy on the end of the bench who doesn't get in the game if it goes like three or four overtimes. That's like a whole other game of sitting for them. Like, you know, like, like honestly, it's embarrassing. People see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's more embarrassing, like dog I did not see you get in the whole four overtimes either do <laughs> you get in the game or the four overtimes Man,
1: <laughs> six, I saw six guys fall out and you still had your, your was like, on. You were
0: still like uh,
1: you coach was that. playing with three guys on the floor I didn't understand what he was doing <laughs> that's hilarious i i had i had never dawned on me that the
2: actual players would be like all right tick tock. TikTok, let's let's pick this thing up. Let's
0: get it moving. It's not like we want to win the game. But I just don't want to sit here for three hours. Like the like national TV games used to be the worst. It'd be like an extra minute on the timeouts. Like, I mean, like TV timeouts would be like two and a half. And it's just like, dude, we got eight of these. Like, let's go. Like, let's do it.
1: Always. It, should to, it. should have gone to Middle Tennessee when they're yeah, never exactly, on TV.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Their game's probably like an hour and a half, like, all right, in and out.
1: Um, you guys, there was another great conspiracy theory that you threw out that, that Andy and I thought was delightful. Um, And if you can't see it, it says uh, for people who are listening on the podcast too, what if LeBron and AD baited Kawhi and assigned him with the Clippers, knowing he would force a trade for Paul George and blow a three, one lead to the nuggets. This is when you can really think about LeBron James and the true galaxy brain that he brings to the NBA, because that is a genius Genius idea to sabotage the Clippers in that way, and then you turn around and just get AD.
0: Like Bron Vito, Bron Vito knew early on that what was going to happen. We knew we were getting AD. I feel like he kind of had an inkling that Kawhi was pump faking. He still got to go for it, obviously. Kawhi's on the market, you want to take the meeting with him. I mean, we saw what the Warriors did. You know, everything is fair game nowadays. You can get 15 MVPs on your team, like that's just what it is. Nobody can say anything. But I knew deep down LeBron knew that Kawhi would try to be sneaky, he'd be up to some mischief. He'd probably try to pull something because he, he wanted to come back to L.A., but would he be willing to be, you know, potentially the, the third member of the big three? No. So he, he knew he would go to the Clippers. He knew he'd entice somebody to go. I'm sure LeBron surveyed the market with Rich Paul. was like, probably PG. They'd be dumb enough to trade the whole farm to get that going. <laughs> so literally just baited him into it. Because soon as soon as Kawhi signed, and it's funny, I was at my booze parents' house in Iowa when this whole thing went down. Literally was about to go to sleep, saw the Kawhi news, thought I was dreaming, like, wait, this is crazy. Then, you know, saw the PG news, like, wait, what's going on? Woke up, like, the next four hours just had to just, you know, probably drop, like, 15 memes. But they thought that they were going to do it. And, and Clippers fans were talking big. And now the excuse is, oh, they would have beat them if they, you know, could have beat the Nuggets. Like, you had that opportunity. That's what the playoffs were designed for, to give you that chance. That's, that has
1: always been a strange argument to me that the idea of like oh yeah if this team that didn't actually advance in the playoffs had advanced the you know this other team would have, that was playing better would have lost like is there any i mean what 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 can you base that on at this point having seen the way the clippers played?
0: LeBron and Laker hate. It's funny, I'm a LeBron guy. Obviously, LeBron came over. I was more than happy. I grew up a lifetime Clippers fan, lifelong Clippers fan. My dad played for the Clippers. It was in the Donald Sterling year, so I have no regrets or anything of that nature for, for making the switch. LeBron obviously trumped <laughs> everything. One of the happiest days of my life. Like, oh, LeBron's coming to the Lakers.
2: Real quick, did you ever hear stories from your dad about Donald Sterling? Like, this, this is some racist weirdo that I happen to play for.
0: Like, I mean, I'll let him kind of tell you all those stuff. But the one thing I will tell you, he, he tells the story he was at, like, a Christmas party. And they basically, like, made all the players come in uniform. And uh, they at this Christmas party. And they got a Santa Claus there. And uh, somebody comes up to my dad and is like, yeah, Donald would really like you to go take a picture on Santa's lap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And my dad's like, yo, I'm not I'm not taking no picture on, on, on Santa's lap. So and then the, the guy, whoever told him, was like, well, look, he's going to be really disappointed if you don't do it. So... So my dad ended up doing it, but he ended up like cuffing, cuffing Santa's head like a basketball, like he basically kind of defiant, but just kind of like stuff like that. Like he would walk into the locker room and he's kind of looking at dudes as if it was like a you know slave market. Like look at you know look oh, at my yeah. thoroughbred horse. Look at this. Oh. look at this beautiful buck. Like kind of deal. Like well, he's look. I
2: he is. I mean, it's well documented that you know beyond the racism, the misogyny, all that stuff, he's weird as hell. Like he is super weird. and I, and I remember the one ex, the one interaction I ever had with Donald Sterling. It was uh, during the 2006 uh, playoffs between the Clippers and Denver when the, the Clippers, uh the Clippers beat Denver, and that was supposed to be the hallway series between the Lakers and the Clippers, yeah. and the Lakers blew that three-1 lead against Phoenix. Oh, wow. But I was there covering it, I think, for the LA Times when the Clippers advanced. And I was in a scrum where Elton brand was talking and all of a sudden Sterling, like worms his way through this scrum to like congratulate Elton brand, you know, give him, give him a hug. And then probably also, as as you were alluding to before, you know, take a look at his buck
1: biceps or something. Right.
2: Exactly. uh, Measure, measure out his buck, you know, his thoroughbred. (laughs) Then he, he gives me this huge hug. Like he like wraps his arms around me and gives this big hug. I'm like, dude, like, who the hell are Like, I knew who he was, but I'm like, what are you doing? And then you just sort of realize, like, this guy has
1: no sense of personal boundaries, serious. It's just weird. Like, everything about those games, like, you know, you said, like, the half times and the people coming in the, to the Staples Center media room and Penny Marshall and, like, all these, like, weird people that he hangs out with. The whole experience was
0: very odd. It was very noticeable going from a, a Clipper game to a Laker game. Obviously, yes. in, in recent years, it's gotten a lot better. Lob City helped kind of repair some of that damage. Ballmer coming and obviously changed the makeup of the team. But back in those days, it was a, it was you know you could have a Clipper or a Laker game on Thursday and a Clipper game on Friday. Lakers tickets would be what 100 bucks. Clipper tickets would be like five. And this this went on even still in the Kawhi era. Like I used to joke, like Kawhi, Lakers Raptors was like 90 bucks. Kawhi taking on his former team was like 10. For the cheapest and this was like it, like you know what i mean it's like this but this is what the clippers are like that's kind of it's sad because but then you listen like i listen to the sterling affairs pod and it all started to make sense like he basically obviously you know loaned loaned the bus family all this money to get the lakers saw how, how easy and i think bus won a championship right in his first year with the lakers so donald's like well shit, i can do that like i'm richer than him i'm better at real estate than him i can do the same thing and they're like buy the clippers <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's funny though, you you touched right there on something that can cause problems for a lot of owners across sports. When you said, you know, I'm richer than him, I'm better at real estate, so I could win a championship, that has nothing to do yeah. with the profession that you're about to enter. And like, you know, no, it, but if probably- you get
1: elected president, it's hard to not, it's hard for them not to believe it's worth something. Yeah. I mean, like, you know,
2: I, I used to work, I was saying before, like bartending, but I've worked in a few different restaurants and I have seen a lot of restaurant owners who had no qualifications to own a restaurant other than just being rich. And they buy into this thing thinking, well, how hard could it be? I've been waited on a bunch of times. That looks easy. You know, I mean, you're just cooking some food, serving it to people. Easy money. It's hard. Like, and being rich does not make you an expert on anything other than just what it's like to be rich.
0: I compare the same thing funny enough to social media and it's like I'll I'll do an event like say Super Bowl whatever I'll be at home literally my kids running around shirt off barbecuing whatever watching a game knowing that every different bleacher all these different spots are having like 10 15 person war rooms ready to go we got or whatever happens we got to get memes out whatever whatever And I'll end up outperforming them literally like just on my couch but it just goes to show you have to learn that thing and it's not like I'm saying it's easy like it took me like 10 years to master this but once you get to that level, and it's like you get rich people who just think, "Oh, I got money. I'll throw money at it, and that'll be the solution." And I think once Sterling realized, like, wait, I actually have to pay for all this other stuff, and like, there's like upkeep, and wait, I got to pay these guys money. Like, this guy wants a million dollar contract, and, like the game is the game. But you know, sadly enough, that you know, I think Bombers kind of lead them in the right direction, but it feels like that curse really wasn't satisfied enough with, with, with what happened. So maybe Balmer's got to get the Sage through there or whatever, and I don't know then moving to the city of champions without a championship is a little misleading. I, I have
2: a theory on the Clipper curse. Um, and I, I've been tweeting this and like retweeting my own tweet since going back to like 2014 or 2015, the Clipper curse will never go away until the team formally disassociates with Ster- with, uh, Sterling's wife, Shelly, because she, you know, she was the former, uh, health inspector, yeah. Like she knew everything going on with Donald, and, and she's
1: like contractually their number one. man. Yes. it says yeah. on a
2: piece of paper.
1: Yes, yeah. she's got like a
2: mug. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> I
0: think they're back together if I'm not mistaken. right? Yes. Like, so yeah. So it makes you wonder, like, what was what was the point and goal right. of this whole thing? It's like your your abuser is still living with you, like, like but
2: she's just as awful. she's yeah. just as awful as he is. And until you formally disassociate with her, which will be the harder thing to do. That's going to require more paperwork. It's going to require more legalese, all of that stuff. But until you do it, that curse is going to hang over you.
0: Yeah. And I think, obviously, they're, they're probably going to have to just wait, wait for the expiration date to hit. But uh, <laughs> that's, I mean, They haven't, because it's kind of like to your point. It's been the elephant in the room. It's like we listen to all this stuff and we pretend like Sterling's not involved with the team anymore. When literally his wife gets courtside seats Mm -hmm. and VIP parking and brings people there, it's like if you're a player and you have to look at that. Like if I'm Doc Rivers, like, huh? So
1: what would you do if you were doing like? Can this is like the Clippers' job is fascinating because it's like the best. It's a great job. And a potentially terrible job because if it doesn't work and either, and those guys leave or just really just Kawhi leaves and you're left with Paul George, you know, you have Paul George and no draft picks, you know, like or whatever it might be like you like how that is not a good job at that point. But right now you've got Kawhi, um, George, a decent sporting cast, an incredibly rich owner and a new building that's coming reasonably soon. It could either be the best gig or the
0: worst. So, I mean, what do you you think happens? I think when they said the arena was opening in, like, 2024, I believe, or whatever that day, somewhere around that point, right, my first thought was, like, well, shit, Kawhi and PG ain't going to be there to see it. Like, like, I mean, like, (laughs) revealing it as, like, this is the team that's going to be there, and it's, like, it's very capable. You might get, like, a a Sacre Lakers type of comparable roster on the Clippers side by the time the venue actually opens. Like, I think they took a major calculator risk. Obviously, Doc Rivers was – the right fit for that. But even Doc with these three one lead issues super like perplexing because he's a great coach. But now who do you get to come in and fill that void? Like people have mentioned Phil Jackson, but Phil has common sense. He's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna create that issue with, with Genie and go to the go to the Clippers. But who comes, Anthony? Uh Ty Lu, I think, is the right option. But it's really just a matter of when you hear the stories that came out, you know, from game six, seven, like the team literally and I've seen teams kind of self destruct. And you're talking about it like a straight self-destruction to the point where it's like, PG, screw you. I'm not listening to anything you're saying. And, like, th- you know, these things happen often kind of in situations where guys might see through the BS and realize, like, oh, this is not the dude that I thought I was playing with. So, really, where did this squad go? Obviously, time heals all, and, you know, these guys will have a couple months off to figure it out. But you pretty much had one of the greatest on paper, you know, rosters, I think, in modern history that's been assembled. I think it would be comparable to that 73 Warrior squad just in terms of on paper, these dudes literally. Even Lou Williams coming off the bench, like you've got. This is like a what else do you need type of situation. When they added Marcus Morris, you know, what I mean, it's like you—they you, literally got better in the bubble. Like they came in the bubble already as the favorites, and literally got better coming in. You know, coming in with that squad to the point where I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna I was legitimately like, yo, this is gonna go six or seven guaranteed, and it's, it's gonna be a slugfest. And the Lakers could very easily lose this series. I think we all kind of realized that. and Realized the Lakers, you know like, ability to, to do that. just So to see them struggle with the Nuggets, which is a kind of a sleeper team that nobody really respected, is like, hey, you know, to see that happen with a 3-1 lead and, like, coasting and thinking, like, oh, we've got the championship wrapped up. Not yet, players. Not yet. Well, I mean,
2: there was not a team in the bubble who, I think, adjusted worse to the bubble and just reacted worse to being there than the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, they seemed to just despise it there, and after a while... Despise being around each other. There,
0: I mean, you had I mean, Trez dealing with stuff he probably should have never. It would been have been.
1: Playing. I feel bad for him because he played so. I mean, he had such a great year, and he's he's one of these guys. It's not like Montrez Harrell shows up in the league, uh, you know, with like a pedigree and you know, and and all this stuff. It's like you, he spends the first however many games he plays with Houston with people trying to figure out just how to say Montrez without yeah. or with adding the old at the end, you know, um, and so like. Nobody even knows how to say the guy's name, and he he worked his way into being a six man of the year and getting a huge pay. I don't think anybody lost more money in the bubble than Montrezl Harrell, and it's not fair. I mean, like you say, there's a lot going on there, but he got hammered.
0: I mean, I, I, I said this is probably the hardest playoffs, and people will try to make the point. Oh, there's no fans, whatever. But we're watching it, and obviously the NBA has done a great job with the bubble, no positive tests. The viewing experience is pretty, pretty great. Honestly, when they first rolled out the, the jumbotron and everything, I was really amazed. Like, wow, this feels great. But then I thought, as a player, it's like you, you know, you see the smoke and mirrors. You know that that's not the same experience for you. Like you're looking at your family on a screen, you know, as they're sitting at home, like plugged in on the Zoom. It's like it's a wild. But you know, this is what you come to every day. Like that energy that you feed off of. Yeah. That home court advantage, all that stuff, now out the window. So to see, and you have to be at Disney World for for three months. Like that sounds to me like the most terrible idea ever. Like Disney World great for like a day, maybe two, if you want to stay in the hotel. It's Vegas, the Yeah, do not like Vegas for like ninety days. To me, is like no.
2: Dude, I I one time for work had to do uh, Vegas for like ninety six hours. I was ready to put a gun in my mouth at about seventy. I was like, get me the hell out of here. Like and I love to gamble. Like I love to do the things you're supposed to be doing in Vegas. And I swear it by. Like around hour sixty, hour seventy is like, oh my god, if I hear those slot machines anymore, like it's too. It was getting too smoky for me, and I was a smoker. Like yeah. it was just, it just you. It's too much. It's the too much.
0: Yes, the smell of Vegas. I say it's like a city built by a loser, right? So literally, it's just infected. I mean, it's not a winter city. I'm just saying, like, people don't come there. You know, if it was, it wouldn't be Vegas. Like, you come there to lose. That's the whole mystique of it. You have a good time while you do it. Go see some shows, whatever. Like, So just that smell, though, and that depression, like, you can just feel and sense just in the air. You know, the air is not being recycled properly. Just the, like, I'm, I'm a big germaphobe now, even before kind of this Rona outbreak. Just I started to really think about all the stuff that doesn't get cleaned properly. (laughs) <laughs> and how disgusting people are like, you know, people like, and it's, this is just the world we live in. So that, that it me changed Like When I was a kid, I used to love it. Like, and as I got like in the twenties, it was fine. But now I go back and it's like, you know, we, like, me cool. and my wife will go for like 18 hour trips. Yeah. That's it. Like get in, get out.
1: Money's too hard to come. I will say this: Vegas, the, even on its most depressing moments, Vegas is still not as depressing as when they first opened casinos in St. Louis on the East St. Louis side, like the Riverboat Casinos and all that stuff. And you go first of all, the you the 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 only li- the only place where the streetlights worked, just to give you an idea of like how the world works, you know, in 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 this country, the only place where the streetlights worked on the east side of the river was the street to the casino. Like you know, it's okay, white people. You can come. This road is safe. Don't leave the road, but like the road is safe, and like you could see it from space. So, but (laughs) you get on there. there. It's true.
0: You at the time. It's safe,
2: white people. It's safe. They come in here.
1: They used to uh, have. They used to maintain the charade of making the boat move. Like, okay, when you get on the boat, there's a cruising time. The boat leaves, it cruises for an hour, and it comes back. Because that somehow makes it more legitimate or less, you know, I don't know what they were thinking. But, like, the boat had to move. And these people who would get trapped on the boat, and this was low-rent casino stuff, you see people literally gambling away, you know, their paycheck money, and they're trapped. They can't even get off the boat because the boat is moving. It is the most (laughs) awful thing
0: ever with oh, that movie, Maverick with Mel Gibson. That's what that, that's a visual I have in my head right now. And to your point, like thinking that you can't leave, like that's the whole hook. Once we get you here, you, we're going to get the money from you. Like we're getting our money back somewhere, so, some way, somehow. Well, at least,
1: at least Vegas, like, you know, Andy and I, well, the first time we went, we tried to do an all night, it didn't work. Like you realize there's nowhere to sit in Vegas that isn't in front of a restaurant, a bar, or something you got to pay for. But at least you can walk out the front door and just wander around if you want. Exactly. Can't if you walk out the front door of a moving riverboat? You're going to drown. Like there's no option there.
0: It's a yeah. Like come 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 back in and give us your money. Oh, God. Sorry, I remember we,
2: we went to that the trippies talking about the overnight. We went to this wedding of a friend of ours, oh, and we decided that unlike the rest of our friends, we weren't going to get a room. We weren't going to do anything like that. We were just going to stay up all night, then go to McCarran at like eight in the morning, and go back to LA. We fucking and, rock stars,
1: Josiah. Yeah, exactly.
2: and both of us, like by one in the morning, something like that, one, two, we had lost all of our allotted gambling money. Both of us didn't do well. And both of us had decided, like, I can't drink anymore. Like, I was really starting to be like, dude, I'm not feeling well. I, I cannot drink anymore. So we've got like this five hour period where we can't do anything Vegas has to offer. And we keep trying to like sit in a hallway or like sit like, like to the side of the casino and they keep making us get up. So we're basically just doing laps around this casino with nowhere to go. And we get to McCarran. And right before we got on our like eight or 9am flight, I went into a bathroom and threw up (laughs) inside McCarran. It was just
0: awful. Well, that's I mean, that's what Vegas gives you. You never know how you're going to – you know I, I could hear right away when you guys said you were going to stay up and do that. That just sounded like a terrible idea to me mm-hmm. because I'm, well, by 1 a.m. I'm done. Like, let me sleep. I need at least a yep. good six, no, seven hours. I'm working in the universe. Good right,
1: so from, a good question real quick before we move on from Granted LA. Does Luol Deng get a ring because the Lakers are still paying this man $5 million? <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly say I had
0: not thought of that. <laughs> He better demand his ring. <laughs> you paid me five million dollars to be a part of this team. I deserve a ring.
1: Like there is an Earth Two somewhere though, where like Luol Deng isn't on the payroll. The Lakers have five million extra, and they go out and they get I don't know somebody else instead of you know keeping Alex Caruso or doing some of these other things. And like the team is worse. Like there, it's absolutely you can come up with scenarios where Luol Deng saved them. If I'm
0: Luau Dang, do I get that direct deposit? Do I get like a big Lakers check sent to me every every pay period? Like, how do you how do you get? I would want a big check. I, think. I would want a giant novelty I mean, check every just time. Give it every single time. Like, Genie, where's where's the check at?
1: I would actually offer to have them take like 500k off of that number if they sent each check as a giant novelty just check.
0: Give me a giant check, Genie. Give me a Lakers size check. Don't give me a Clipper check.
2: All right. So what, what do you think? What are you thinking about tomorrow? Like, what, what were your biggest takeaways in terms of why the Lakers lost this game and in terms of what you're looking for tomorrow night?
0: I think one of my followers pointed out, and I forget who exactly it was, but it was basically like LeBron was watching football all day, which I, I realized and I remember because I saw all the, the dag posts and whatever. And I'm not to say, look, I'm, I'm, LeBron's a grown man. He's been in this spot before. We've seen LeBron kind of activate that that zero dark 30 mode, like where, you know, I'm off social. I think he was in the bubble and he was probably losing his mind. So this time he was like, I still need to be able to interact and engage. So I'm not going to do that. It feels like this is just one of those games that's not, you know, any Lakers fan watching that game, LeBron fan, this was from the jump, probably one of the most ridiculous looking LeBron finals games. I'm just like the passes, like the stuff that was going on, like not being able to catch passes and LeBron making terrible decisions with the ball, which after a zero turnover game previously, you know, to have seven or eight, whatever it was. It's like, you're not going to see that, you know, I think. So you literally, this is, you know, 20 free possessions that you gave them in addition to they kept it close. I thought when it was a halftime, I think it was like a four point lead. It was all right. They're going to get it together and kind of just, just finish this thing out. And we saw them make runs in the third, but I don't think we'll see that again. I expect them to come out and smack them by like 30 or 40 just to send a message to Jimmy Butler, but we'll see. I've been wrong. So I don't mean, you know, this Heat team's playing expired. Spo out, Coach Vogel in that game, I will say. But and somebody said Bam's playing tomorrow, I think Bam playing actually helps.
1: I think it helps the Lakers. Yeah. He, he and, focuses it focuses them a little bit. Yeah. But,
0: but Dwight seems to be a great matchup for Bam. He was having a little trouble with, with Olenek and Myers for some reason, just the, kind of the shooting became an issue for him. So – I think, bam, it's, it's funny as it is, adding their all-star back in the lineup make, make things a little bit easier for the Lakers.
2: Well, it was so unusual to see the Lakers n- not necessarily play badly because they've had some games in the playoffs where they didn't play great. This was the first game where they looked genuinely unfocused because this team's been pretty locked in yeah. since getting into the bubble. Like Even when they weren't playing well at the restart, I think they looked pretty locked in. And ever since the playoffs, they've been totally dialed in Last, uh yeah, it was last night. They just they looked disinterested. They, you know, they they looked completely out of sorts. LeBron and AD were both really sloppy. You know, they it's like they were mad at.
0: You. I don't I don't know what it was, but they literally broke character in that first quarter. And LeBron said something to AD that you could tell was like it was too much. It was just you know, I don't know if AD kind of shut down after that or what. I didn't, call them,
1: a, I didn't call them a white swan. <laughs>
0: Told him to put on his big boy pants. Put
1: on your big boy pants, white swan. Let's bring this game home.
0: But, you know, you know, LeBron in the finals with this squad, with everything that's at stake, he's not going to get humiliated. I think he needed kind of that motivation and to let him know. It's kind of like back in the day when Kobe would kind of turn into facilitator mode. It was like, oh, you guys have a problem with my scoring? All right. I'll be facilitator guy. And now what? Oh, we need you to go score at 50, Kobe. Like, that's that's what we learned. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing – I. I... I do. I am happy Jimmy Butler got like. It is so hard to create an like a genuinely iconic game in a series you're probably going to lose. Like Andy and I were talking about this last night. Like LeBron made this. I forget the year, but like when uh, Kyrie and Caleb were both hurt, and LeBron basically carries them through a competitive series on his own. Like that's one of his most iconic series. Jimmy Butler got a game like that in, the, in a series that Miami may well lose in five. That is so hard to do, and Butler really deserves it, so I was kind of happy that he at least had that moment. I But I was.
0: 2018-ish, when he had the 50-point, a name, whatever yeah, it was. In that 20, game. Yeah. And it's like, people act like, I think the problem we deal with a lot nowadays on social is people act as if they could get 50 points in an NBA Finals game. Like In their mind, they're trying. <laughs> we start hearing terms like stat padding and and it's like this, you realize this is the NBA Finals and p- people being paid hundreds of millions of dollars here to literally with the sole goal of not allowing that to happen. So, so even if further that does happen, you're pointing out that these dudes must be exceptional human beings to step pad in the NBA Finals.
2: Okay, you've you played you know major college ball. You, know, you played for UCLA. So y- you have an idea of at least what the next level would be like and what it would take to be there. Padding your sats at the NBA level, isn't easy, like, like actually going out and doing it, I would imagine isn't easy,
0: like I've had friends tell me like LeBron back, I want to say game seven against the Spurs, when he dropped like 37, whatever he was stat, somebody told me he was stat padding in game seven of the NBA finals, like this was like a comment that was made to me, and it's like, to an extent LeBron a little bit, I think because he controls the ball, obviously he tries to, he tries to get a lot of assists. that's what he's doing, he's a floor general, that's what he's going to do, I think maybe in that regard, but rebounds and points, like, I don't care about pace or any of these type of things that analytics people throw out. Like you actually have to score to do these things. Like in order to average 30 points in a game, you have to score 30 points. So if you play basketball at any level, like scoring 30 isn't just a given, let alone at the highest level of basketball. It's, really hard to do. it's very, it's extremely difficult to do. It's not like, Oh, I'm just going to go score 30 because I'm LeBron. Like, it's not how that works. You still have to put the ball in the hole. Okay, like
2: maybe you could say that for LeBron, stat padding isn't hard because he's LeBron. Or like maybe a handful of, I don't know, 10, 12 players. The average player in the league, and these are, you know, the 1% of the 1% around the world at basketball.
1: Padding stats is not going to be easy for them. Like it just—it's not. Well, there's a reason Ricky Davis was throwing the ball off the backboard, you know, to try to get himself an extra rebound. Like hindsight, I,
0: honestly, I can't even really be mad at Ricky. No, that brilliant. was legendary. That was legendary, and I—I I feel like they should have gave it to him. I agree. <laughs> it's a shot. Change the rules, like. if, if you like...
2: I feel like if you're that brazen, you should just get it. Like you know, it's—it's it's the ultimate. The answer is always no until you ask. You know, like, <laughs> like. like it's like when JR, you know, the closeout the first half yesterday, you know, he took like three dribbles to get himself to the corner. The most like brazen
0: a attempt at three pointer. Like, yeah. I kind of respect that. Like, my dad used to tell me tricks of the trade. Like, you always want to grab that, that end of, end of quarter rebound. Cause, Josh, <laughs> you know, it's a, you can add a couple of extra rebounds easy. Not everybody's going to be going for it. Like, like he's hundred million. You get paid off that.
1: I just I do think there are certain times in sports. I wish like every sport had a committee that like sat by courtside, sat on the side of the field, whatever it was. He's like, you know what? Give him an extra point for that. Like that was really good. Like that was. <laughs> I like that. Or, <laughs> or, you know what? That basket's only worth one. Right. No, you don't get extra for that.
0: It's called high school. No, I'm just kidding. Those court books to be altered. Like, w- <laughs> would
2: you? Uh, Wait, what do you what would you do with Danny Green? Because I heard you guys talking about on Dunk
0: bait. I'm not honestly I'm not a Danny Green slanderer. I understand it. I think Lakers fans have a tendency to, you know, even with the coups and the petition thing, we've bullied players into performing well. Like KCP got a lot of it early on and he kinda got his stuff together. For me, Danny, I feel like is so a So you're pro. saying
2: KCP should thank all these assholes
0: online. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, if it's with a purpose. Like, honestly, if it's just mean-spirited, no. But if it's like, we're trying to make you better. And Lakers fans, they demand a, a standard and a level of excellence. But I think for, for all these guys, they got to just kind of, you know, Danny he has got to get it together, man. I think he's a pro. We get it. He's had a tough stretch, which means he's due. And he's doing a big way. So I would love to see him break out of it. Because Lakers fans have a short memory, too. Like, yo, know, We'll slander you, but if you get it together, then you're our hero. And that's just – that's what, you know, the greatness of being a Laker is.
2: Well, I I ask in part because he's clearly hurt. Like, he's clearly playing through something. Absolutely, Yeah. And that – part of what I – my concern with Danny is it's not just, you know, he's always been streaky and something like that. Like, I don't know if he's physically going to be able to give them
0: what they need. So. It's almost like you, you might want to sit him for this game just to be real or reduce his minutes to let him get over whatever it is about him because he looks obviously a little slow moving around and uh, you know move, moving a little gingerly. Marquise Morris I feel like is a good alternative, but you know Danny Green brings up – there's a reason that Danny Green in the starting lineup. There's a reason the Lakers paid him that money. I know a lot of people don't think he deserves it at this point, but I feel like Danny Green is going to pop up. He's got championship experience. He's a pro. He's probably had stretches like this before in his life. He knows how to get through them.
1: Assume he, assume he can move. I think that's just what it comes yeah. down. Because really, his value, the value is. I mean, I had this. I kept trying to tell somebody who was yelling at me yesterday on Twitter, like Danny Green's been horrible since he got in. This kill killing this team. He leads the team in net rating. Like he is. It's better than ADs. It's been like hey, he gets a lot of help because he plays almost all of his minutes with those guys. Yeah. But he's still leading. He can't possibly be hurting them. He's leading the team in net rating in the postseason. So let's let's calm down a little bit um, before we let you go. Josiah, you you've accomplished a great deal uh, in your in your life, uh, you, you know, professionally, personally. Uh, you are facing what we learned on Twitter tonight was a is a is a major life choice. Um, you it's may cute. be committing to an air fryer.
0: And I, and I said on Twitter when I was a little kid, Rompo Peel pasta maker I was oh. like. Was my dream with the, like the mm-hmm. sausage attachment? Like honestly, I always wanted it. I never got it. The I pasta maker
1: or the or the or the rotisserie,
0: Bo- both the rotisserie later on in life, but pasta maker when I first started, I like okay. making pasta. I, I mean, I was a big pasta fanatic. To be able to make your own with so many different combinations in the little spinny thing, and oh, it comes okay. out, and you can. It was just like ooh, like I feel like like I lived in Italy as a kid, so it was always something I was fascinated by. But that's neither here nor there. When I've seen everybody, so this air fire thing has been on for months now. I've seen people talking about it. I'm generally hesitant to join crazes. Obviously, I got a George Foreman girl like everybody else. That was an amazing part of my life, helped get me through college. But everybody, the way they're talking about this air fire, I'm just tired of being let down in life. Like A lot of times things are hyped up. And then you go get it, and it's like, this is what you got? This, this is your king? This is what you were you were talking about? <laughs> and it, and it makes me so mad, whether it's movies, whatever. Like, oh, you got to have this, you go eat it. And it's like, this is not even that good. Like, But to see the way everybody's talking about it, but I actually had a buddy that I grew up with, Earl, who played at a San Diego State legend, uh, hit me, and was like, uh, it was not that good. <laughs> and it's not worth it. And I was like, wow, OK, because I got to respect you. Like, we, we grew up together, I, I know. I know you wouldn't lie to me. You're trying to keep it real. So do you guys have air fryers? And if so, should I get one?
2: Andy, do you I, have one? I do not have one. Okay. I've always, okay. like you, I've actually been tempted to get one before because I've heard really good things. But I don't actually have one. Okay. All right. I do. Um, and here's what I'll say. Is that what you made the fries in that one time? Yes. We were over there. Okay. Yeah. The fries were pretty good. We, they were pretty good.
1: Yeah, we have one of, because with three kids, you know, whatever. We have the sort of air fryer. You got you have choices to make here. We have the air fryer that serves as a lot of different things. It's another little oven. It's our toaster now. It's a but it has an air fryer feature on it. Okay. Um, and like my wife's made like chicken strips in it, and we make French fries. And I like to actually air fry like tortillas and stuff in there, and kind Ooh. of get them like crispy that way. And I, I I love the thing, but the, the choice you have to make is this: Do you want a machine like the one I'm talking about, which is versatile? You can do a lot of things in the kitchen with it, or do you want something that is just an air fryer, like a specialist? Do you want the Duncan Robinson of kitchen gadgets, like the, it does one thing and does it really
0: well? The, I versatility. The,
1: yeah, I mean, which do you, you want value more, R.
0: Odom? I need, I mean, in life, I don't know. I need Lamar always. I think, you know, when you look at a guy like Lamar who could play five positions. But the problem is all those features you just mentioned, I will not read the handbook enough to get to all of them and I will never use (laughs) them. You're just going to press air fryer and go. I'm I'm never going to use any of them. I may experiment a little bit. But if it it does all the things, if it does all the things that you claim it can do, then I will definitely... This thing
1: is a nice, this is a nice piece piece of kitchen equipment and we use it pretty much every day. But an air fryer is... I mean, you get past, like, the health. You can still make things unhealthy in an air fryer if you want them to be. But, oh, my God, it is, it's is—it's well worth it. Like, it is, it's, yeah, go get yourself an air fryer.
0: Okay. I might have to do it. I, th- I said that I i, I lean towards my cousin, said he loved it. I trust him. He likes to eat good like me. So I'm going to do it. But if I don't like it, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to have a lot of people I'm going to need to come check.
2: Um, What's been holding you back? Just the, the idea of not being sure about it or – being let down the, the, I think
0: like- the letdown and the commitment I have to make. Like I, I saw, I, I saw Twitter in like 2010. I didn't really get on active till like 2017, just cause I don't want to have to deal with it all the time. Like I didn't want it. I knew it, it would consume a lot of my life and I don't want this air fryer now to become my whole existence. Like I'm literally worried about in a situation like this, what I'm going to air fry tomorrow. What, you know what I mean? I just, <laughs> like, cause I will do that. I'll get it, I'll do it. Like even with Postmates now, I'll spend hours on Postmates trying to figure out that exact thing I want. But knowing that I'll never find it. So I don't, you know, I don't want to be putting that. You know
2: what it it becomes? It like with Netflix or Hulu, you can spend like 30 to 40 minutes just scrolling through what Mm -hmm. they have, as opposed to just deciding on a damn movie or a TV show. Like there will be times where it's like, all right, I'm just trying to wind down, go to bed. Let me just go through Netflix, you know, watch TV for like half an hour and go to bed. I'll spend half an hour deciding on what I want to watch and end up watching nothing. Exactly. and going to bed <laughs>
1: so when when it comes time for you to, to get this air fryer are you the kind of here's like this is the question sector Cruz asks i want to get one but which brand now are you the kind of person who's going to go through like 200 different reviews and this and that or whatever you're just going to go get somebody
0: i had a few reviews? people suggest some i'm going to go to costco see what they have to offer that's kind of home base i had another person send me an amazon link for one, that looked good. It was like the $200 range. I don't know if I want to commit to that amount. That was my biggest gripe with the Ron Pope Hill pasta maker back in the day. Price mm-hmm. point. And I'm a frugal guy. Like, ooh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get this just because those payments aren't as easy as you claim, Ron. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Here's the key. Like, like you have to make sure, I guess, either if you, if you want to make a sound investment or you want to guarantee that you just do it and get out of your own way, Alcohol. Alcohol with those, you know, as seen on TV ads, th- that's the combination that leads you to buying oh these things. Oh, my God. Like, I I remember one, one time I was at uh, the Chimney Sweep in Studio City, this bar, and I, I was pretty hammered. And like a week later, a package arrived, and apparently at Chimney Sweep, I had ordered this double CD of Easy Rock (laughs) that I saw on one of the TV commercials. It was like Christopher Cross and like, you know, like stealing. And you sent it to the bar? No, I sent it to me. (laughs) I went to a a payphone, I think inside the chimney sweep and just drunk ordered this thing off the commercial inside the chimney sweep. Like I didn't even remember doing this. Until I saw, I was like, when the hell did I order this? And I looked at, like, the order date. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> that
2: All right. That's sort yeah. of now remembering, uh, really, want, really want to have the Pilata song at my disposal.
1: <laughs> that, yeah, that I will say sense. that there has never been, no infomercial ever had anything better as a better tagline than set it and forget it. Like, yeah, yeah that is the ultimate.
0: I, I was too young to really be able. It was too complicated with the attachments. But the way they used to cook that prime rib on there, and then you would slice into it, I knew yeah. it was fake. I grew up in L.A. I know Hollywood. I did not care. I wanted that machine. I did oh, not care.
2: The the uh, granted L.A. I bought in color <laughs> in World War II DVDs because of alcohol. Never watched them.
0: Hey, You gotta uh, put those on.
2: Oh, it, like uh, those flashlights, those tech light flashlights. You know they. Show oh, them. those are great. Like the
1: army guy runs them over in a jeep and they don't destruct, like you can freeze them. No, but you, you can you can foil robberies, that's the best part. You got one of those things, you shine it at the guy, the robbers. Ah, I want one him. of those, put a, put it into the long I want one so
2: badly. I want to get one and I want to freeze it. <laughs> <I want to, laughs> you blinded it, me uh, until the police get here. You, you, um, put you put I'm it in the block
1: be- of ice, <laughs> you can hold the block of ice up to the robber.
2: <laughs> like, ah. It's all right, I don't need to call 911. I have this.
0: Flashlight, I got this magic light, it's indestructible.
1: Oh man, um, dude, this is always fun. We always appreciate your time. Always, Kirk, that's this is true. It's I, I I've heard this Kirkland vodka is kettle
0: one. Not mad at it. Costco, <laughs> the thing about Costco is the price point isn't really that good. You just end up buying an overwhelming amount of stuff that you're probably not going to be able to use, like Gatorades and drink. I go for Gatorades, paper plates, seasonings. inks basic stuff the meats and that all was that the single goal.
1: worst pitch for costco ever
0: it's a pump fake the sna- i mean they used to have the communal snacks but i believe, believe those are gone uh, now, yeah I'm no
1: sure. not during covid we had a yeah we gave up our memberships.
0: seafood road show would be nice on friday saturday sundays yeah. to get some delicious shrimp and accessories but across the board now um
1: well anyway uh, we were we were starting to uh to to let you go um always appreciate the time um yeah. Thanks again. Hopefully we can do it soon. Dunk Bait podcast. You can follow him. King Josiah 54 on uh, Twitter and you all of the, the other fun stuff. It is. I mean, if I don't, I don't think anybody who's watching this show probably isn't already following you, but if you're not do that, it will make your day better. Um, great week coming up tomorrow. Harrison Sanford. We'll talk about game two. talk to Harrison, uh, hopefully about more good stuff from Danny green Wednesday, Steve Mason and Thursday. Wazzy Lambry. Uh, Lambre is going to join us, so that will be uh, just we've got a great uh, week of shows in front of us. So uh, on that Friday, Clinton Yates.
0: Oh that's, Friday, that's a, hitter, Yates. that's a hitter lineup right there. That's going. Yeah, it's the, the legend. Steve Mason's a legend. Big Wass, you know, one of the biggest legends of probably you know yeah. modern history. So
1: we, we 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 can update it. Friday, fill in that Friday Clinton block. Yates. <laughs> Yeah, lead. You, guys, and
0: I, you, guys, you guys bring the, the heat every single week. I'm always well, impressed when you put the line you know uh,
1: Millions and millions of people watch this program every night. And so to. it's important to bring them high quality guests because that's what America wants.
0: We appreciate you. <laughs> all right, man. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. Man. We we'll really, talk to you really appreciate it. Don't need a lump?